Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Proudly brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au Hello and welcome to Food Bites. <laughs> this is about the 14 take of this. So I thought I'd just jump in. Welcome to uh, Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier and our very good friends at Cheese Links. Janet will get you sorted with all your cheese making needs because right now in the dead of winter, that is what you need to be doing is making cheese. Cheese warms yes. you from within. Yes, and our food poll has a bit of a cheese theme to it uh, this week as well. Our uh, our guest doesn't, uh, but I should uh, should just point out before we before we talk about our guest, the telephone number to call Janet on is five two eight two one nine eight four. Just put that one into your memory banks in the uh, in the phone five two eight two one nine eight four. Cheeselinks.com.au, all the social media platforms. Yeah, get yourself some cheese-making supplies through yes. Janet. The little the little piece of paper has a lovely, uh, beautiful, oh, soft lovely. cheese on photo on this and then it's yep. got the yogurt maker on it as well and Looks all the ingredients tempting. you need. Well, and, and you can make that cheese yourself, uh, Kevin. It is easier than you think. As we always say, have a crack because you can do yeah, it. Absolutely. And you can work your way up to the more advanced level. And it is time for the Cheese Olympics. Yay! And Janet will win the gold medal. Don't you worry about that. This bloke didn't win a gold medal, but he made an Olympic final. Oh, yeah, quite historic occasion. Absolutely. The 1992 long jump final with uh, Carl Lewis and Mike Powell Whoa. and, of course, a couple of silver medals at uh, some Commonwealth Games as well. He's part of the Channel 7 team that will uh, that will be covering Tokyo. Uh, so very happy to have him on. Uh, he's a, a broadcaster and uh, obviously an event manager and does all sorts of things. His name is Dave Colbert. And all-round good bloke. He is a good bloke and he's on the end of the phone. He's ready to talk to us now. You are listening to Food Bike. With Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au. Dave Colbert uh, is a man uh, with a very impressive CV, but uh, I guess the glowing part of it is that he was in mm. the 1992 Olympic final in the long jump. Mm. Uh, which is one of the epic Olympic finals of all time. He's part of the Channel 7 coverage team that's uh, going to cover the Tokyo Olympics, and he joins us on Food Bites. Now, hello, DC. Hello, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm going great. You too. How are you? Very well. And I love to establish first off the bat, Dave, where everyone is is situated in Australia. I'm so where <laughs> where do we find you today? I'm in Melbourne. I'm in Melbourne. So no Tokyo. Um, most of our coverage, in fact, all of the commentary will be done from back here. So we're not uh, we're not there. And um, so it'll be the first games that I've missed since 1988, which oh. is uh, summer games. That is um, not the first Winter Olympics that I've done. Um, from back in Australia, I've done a couple of them uh, from back in Australia and not actually been at the snow. So it'll be different, that's for sure. Well, even if you were there, it'd be a different feel yeah. to it, I guess, with uh, nobody in the stands, a bit of a quiet old uh, thing. How are you feeling about about it all? Oh, I'm glad that it's going ahead for the athletes. I feel um, it's sorry for the ones that have never been to a Games before because they won't get to experience all the things that uh, occur at a, a normal games. Um, I feel desperately sorry for the Japanese that um, have endured all of this and you know, just watching the European football um, championships has finished, Wimbledon and the crowds that are there and how advanced despite the, the horrific circumstances that the UK and the US have been through, but they seem to be coming out the other side with their vaccination and um, the um, commitment to continue on. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's mixed feelings, that's for sure. Yeah, are you? Are you? I mean, are you upset you're not going to be there, or are you realistic about the fact that it just is almost a no-go zone? Uh, well, I was upset 
you know, last year in, in March when, you know, our contracts were effectively torn, torn up. Um, you know, you didn't think, is this actually going to happen? But yeah. now it's just realistic. You know, it's, um, look, Kev, as you know as well, the nature of modern broadcasting, the number of AFL games that are now called off to, Correct. Uh, as, you, as you call it, you know, sitting in the boardroom or, in, you know, temporary studio or whatever it might be, that, that's the reality of, of how it's going to be. And, um, you know, I'm doing the canoe slalom and the triathlon um, from, from Tokyo, and I wouldn't be at those events anyway. I wouldn't be sitting in those events. I'd be sitting in the broadcast centre. Um, you know, you get to go out to the training and you so you, you get a feel for it, et cetera. But, uh, and for athletics, obviously, we'd be in the stadium, but we don't do the marathons and walks from, from the venues. We generally do those. And, in fact, they're going to be in Sapporo this time, so they moved them. Um, ironically, due to the heat, when was the last time you heard anything about the heat in Tokyo? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was going to be the thing that um, that defined the games, and now it's the last thing on everybody's mind. So, yeah, it'll be different, and but it's realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You prefer it to be on than, than not to be on. And, Dave, I, I guess we've all been worn down by the, the pandemic in one way or another, but one impact it has had across the board is uh, a lot of people have um, found themselves spending more time in the kitchen, even if they didn't usually spend time in the kitchen. Has that been the case for you? Yeah, it has been. Um, I'm no chef, that's for sure. Although sometimes I look like Matt Preston, that's about the only similarities <laughs> that we've got. And when I had the big, I had the greatest uh, lockdown beard of all time, I looked like Santa Claus. So, um, no, I think everybody's. It's one of the great benefits of working from home, and um, you know we're sort of been back in the office three days a week, um, and then full time, and then three, three and two, so three days at at work, and then three days of working from home, and those work from home days. Absolutely. You've just got more time to prepare, to think about what you might do, um, to shop and then to cook uh, because you don't have that commute time, etc. So absolutely, it's made a difference in terms of, for, for us, for our family, I think the diversity of food, the, of stuff that you would you would cook and try, absolutely made a difference to, um, and much less Latina, if I can say that. <laughs> and did you have a, a, a signature dish of your own going on? Um Look, it's pretty simple, but I do, I, I do, I do a very good steamed dim sum. I have to say, oh. um, you boil the water, um, you put it uh, in the pot, you let it steam, and then you <laughs> drizzle the soy sauce zhuzz, over the top, and away you go. <laughs> oh, you sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very special. It comes out of a bottle. Oh. Um, now, for me, it's probably my um, chicken schnitzel, which um, there's no, there is actually nothing better than producing a nice plump chicken schnitzel that's uh, um, well dusted in panko breadcrumbs and a mm. bit of paprika and then parmesan um, and then fried in the pan quickly just on both sides to make it brown and then throw it in the oven and wait for them to come out. And I do accompany them with some good homemade chips as well with some uh, oregano and oil and salt and pepper and, and you leave them in there until they're as crispy as you possibly can get them. And my two boys remind me if I haven't um, cooked them well enough because they like them, you know, crispy. <laughs> which that's probably my. Does that qualify? Oh, you oh, know, yeah. we're, we're we're a big schnitty household here. Yeah. Oh yes, no, you don't underestimate. But they're painful to to make though because yeah. you, you you know, and the, it's the we've got a rule in our house that whoever cooks doesn't do the washing up. 
And so I love the uh, the chicken schnitzels because you make one hell of a mess. Do you um, do you put out mess. maybe three bowls, one for the flour, the egg, and then the bre- yeah. the panko breadcrumbs, yeah. or do you? Yeah. I was going to say you can put them in a plastic bag too. Is a good way to do it and just shake oh, really? each one. Yeah, okay. flour in a bag and then your crumbs in no, a bag. The flour's okay. It's once you get the <laughs> it's once you you dip them in the egg yeah. that things become a bit messy, but. Um, no, and of course you give them a um, you put you put them on the um, on your cutting board and with a bit of baking paper over the top of them, and then you give them an almighty with your, <laughs> with, your um, with your rolling pin. I don't know, I don't like the, the, the meat tender either. It, it mashes them up a bit too much, so I just I smash them with a the rolling pin, and yeah. um, that works pretty well. Yeah, and it's a good way to to get your frustrations out too. I reckon I do that all the well, time. It's it's like you, it's it's an art because you can't. Um, smash them too much. You, they, you need to have some some <laughs> thickness to your to your schnitzel, I reckon. Yeah. Um, to and then cooking it to keep the juices in, and it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, for some reason, I've managed to. Um, I play a fanfare actually whenever I do it because I, if, if it comes out well, I think I've deserved the fanfare for, for the <laughs> skill that I've shown on this very basic task. But anyway, that's, that's a, not a bad um, uh, risotto, seafood risotto, oh. but it just You've got to stand there for yeah. too long, to, you know. You can't. You can't leave it alone. No, you've got to be fully committed. And <laughs> it's probably not me. So, oh, um. Turn it up, will you? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you got more in common with Matt Preston than you think, you know. Well, that, that's two dishes, and I, can I tell you that one of the things that we've been saying, I'm happy to take advice because we've we've got a slow cooker that's no good, and we've never had a, anything that's come out of it that's been any good at all, mm. and. Um, uh, we don't know if it's because it's the slow cooker's no good or because we're no good. We're erring on the side of the slow cooker, of course, because it wouldn't be our fault. Um, but no, I just can't get anything to, to come out with any sort of flavour, no matter how much red wine we pour into it. Are you searing your meat before you put it in the slow cooker? Um, sometimes. Sometimes, but probably not enough. Is that, is that a key? I think so because um, okay. that, uh, that, that stuff you get on the bottom of the pan is, is your flavour, yeah. your flavour base. Right. Okay. So <laughs> Listen to me, using, like I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if you if you're using, because I think we did something with some diced beef the other day, and at um, some sort of curry number. I wasn't responsible for this one, but it actually tasted better the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for leftovers, which I'm all about. I'm all about the leftovers. You know, I get very upset. In fact, I've just polished off a nice little teriyaki mince rice bowl with snap peas that I produced last night um, for for leftovers. So that that went alright. Yeah, all right. well, it's funny because I did a beef strog in the uh, the slow cooker just the other oh. day, and what Kevin loves, it's funny you say they're better when you leave them overnight in the fridge because the flavour intensifies. Kevin likes me to wrap them up in puff pastry, and he kind of has like oh. a, a beef strog pasty, or he'll have a bolognese pasty. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Let, let me direct you to a previous, a, a previous episode of this podcast with Pauline Christie is her name and she yeah. is the slow cooker queen of Australia. We had her on a couple of uh, episodes back and everything you need to know about slow cooking you can find out okay. on her yeah. Facebook page. She's, She's great. Now, I did, read a, I did read a recipe recently where you put the steam – I'm a bit of a steamed dim sim um, <laughs> aficionado. Uh, of course, South Melbourne's dim sims are the, yeah, are, they're the are, best. Are very good. Very good, but you know, I'm I'm happy with just the, the cheap and nasty out of the um, the freezer system at the um, supermarket. But apparently, you throw them in the uh, in the slow cooker with a full bottle of um, sweet chili sauce, yeah, and away it goes. 
for a couple of hours, and oh. it's, they're magnificent. I haven't done it yet, but oh, I have seen um, that. Mm. I did see reviews, and and the comment section was full of favourable comments. So there you go. Yeah. Very good. Now, I've got to ask you: Are you a coffee or a tea drinker? You someone who uh, coffee? Ah, uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I do. I don't mind a tea, but it's um, I, I'm no I, a plunger. I'm a plunger man, oh. and I have a full one. So the you know the big the big plunger that you get. Um, yeah. I, I polish one of them off before seven a.m. So. I don't know, and I've got a big cup actually, uh, like a big mug that I I got. Um, tell me if this is boring you, but I did. <laughs> I got this uh, at the Atlanta Olympics. It's it's on, and I was with Jimmy Wilson. I was a media officer with the athletics team, and we were going off to a to a, an event, and we had to get up very early and drive out a couple of hours out of Athens. And we stopped at a Starbucks, bucks, and they had this huge, big Starbucks um, coffee mugs, and I bought this mug. And I've still got it, and it's still going strong. Whatever was on the outside of it's completely disappeared, so it's just white. And I fill that up. Um, it gets me through my two plungers, two, mm-hmm. uh, the full plunger, two of those. And then I probably have two or three more. But I don't normally have one after about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, right. I shut it down. Sounds like you need like mm-hmm. a uh, ceramic soup bowl or something, and then you could have your whole plunger in. <laughs> one, yeah, one well, I, look, it, 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 sometimes it goes cold. So you've got to, yeah. you, you've got to be – yeah, measure. Yeah, be a bit careful to maintain the temperature. But now I do like a, a coffee, and if I do get a coffee at a cafe or something, I do like to have it in the biggest vessel that they can supply it in. So mm. that's normally how I have it. And are you a uh, sweet tooth, Dave? Oh yeah. In fact, when I was competing, I had two vices. One was um, soft juby lollies of any sort. Yeah. Um, so, like you know, the the lolly section of at a service station or a supermarket is mine. Um, it's the danger zone. But my <laughs> my wife's parents actually owned a New Zealand natural ice cream store as well. And hokey pokey ice cream was just how good is it? And so actually for a whole year before the 92 Olympics, I didn't eat any lollies. I didn't drink much alcohol. I wasn't a huge drinker when I was competing. I've made up for that. <laughs> um, and I um, – so I didn't have any lollies or any ice cream for 12 months. There's a little – you know, that, every time I said no, it was like reaffirming that – I was committed to, to what I was doing. So, yeah, I, so ice cream, not, not as much now. I, I like it and I'll eat it um, nightly, but I don't, but it's a lollies. Gee, I love lollies. Soft mm. juby lollies. Mm. Give me a bowl of them at any time and I will I will just demolish them. Beautiful. So your wine, not your wine gums or your morella juice, you like the softer ones? No, no, well, no, they'll, they'll fit. They'll yeah. fit the mix. Right. Party mix, snakes, <laughs> um, you know, sour, sour worms, the whole lot. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm not... I'm not that um, fussy when it comes to Kev. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I take you back to the 92 Olympics and that and that long jump final? Well, what are your memories of it? Because that was, uh, I mean, it was epic. Uh, Carl Lewis and Mike Powell are just the two of the best athletes ever. Um, yeah. What are your memories of that? Um, I was wrapped to make the final. I had a lot of issues in the lead-up to the, to the games. I was injured and, and I almost didn't make it to the, to the Olympics. I had to have a, uh, I had a bone scan and, in in Germany, and if if it had gone the wrong way, then I was on the plane home, and they said, "Oh, we think we can manage this. We'll see how we go." And couldn't really train much, and so I finally, I somehow managed to make it to the final. And, um, I was no good the next day in the final. I, I could hardly, you know, my leg was hurting, and and um, so I didn't jump that well. But no, it was a big thrill to be in the Olympic final, and the year earlier, of course, Powell and Lewis had. Um, you talk about the Olympic final being epic, and it was. But the year before, the the world record 
Mike Powell broke the world record, which was in Tokyo at the stadium that they're competing at, refurbished now, but um, it's nearly 30 years ago since um, he, he broke that world record um, in that competition, which was also amazing. And um, no, I was a, it's one of the things that you, you feel sorry about the athletes because whilst you don't notice the crowd um, at the games, when I look at pictures from that, and there's, you know, I've, I've already got the one picture from, um, from those games, but, you know, the crowd is incredible and it, it's sort of like wallpaper, but to have experienced that, to be out there in the Olympic final with, in that case, the 12 best long jumpers in the world, I managed to beat one of them, so I finished 11th, so go DC. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> amazing, amazing to be, um, you know, an Olympic finalist. You'd love to be an Olympic medalist, but, um, you know, for me, that wasn't, wasn't to be the case. Question without notice, if you had a dinner party and you could invite anybody and you, because you're a, a, an events manager and you've worked in the cycling world and mm. the athletics world, um, you know a lot of people. You've been around a lot of very famous people. If you had a dinner party, you could invite anyone, uh, no budget, anything, you spend as much as you like or as much as you can afford. Um, <laughs> who would you invite? Who would who would make it on you, your list? Do you have to be alive or can no, no, no de- longer no, with us? Dead or alive. Okay, so the first two would be Jesse Owens and Bob Beeman. That would be the first two that I'd have. Um, So Jesse Owens, of course, the the great American who won four Olympic gold medals in Berlin. We share a personal best at age 13. So his was a world record at the time, (laughs) 1930-something. So we'd be able to compare how good we were. Bob Beeman then was the world record holder in the long jump. And I'd probably have Mike Powell as well. So that's the long jump fraternity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd have a golfer. Um, Who would I have? I can Phil Mickelson would be pretty good Ooh. fun. Um, yeah, he would. Tiger, if he would tell you all of his stories, yeah. how good would that be? I'm not sure you'd get them all out. He'd of be him. there all night. Like <laughs> um, you'd need you'd need some of the great female. Uh, who would you have? I'm just going to throw a name out. Amelia Earhart, I reckon, would have oh, some good stories to tell. Yep. Yep. Um, there'd be others. There'd be other women that you'd. You'd want to have along that have been ground. I like, I like groundbreakers. Even yep. Hillary'd be interesting. Yep. Um, and then we'd probably need to talk footy, wouldn't we? So KB would be good <laughs> just to, to talk footy. Yep. Um, yeah, that'd be a that'd be a fair that's fair a, start. That's I reckon. A, that's a really I reckon good that'd start. be a fair start. You know, someone like. Like I had the, the thrill of meeting people like Betty Cuthbert, but Shirley Strickland was an absolute ripper because she was a bit crazy, Kev. She was she's a bit mad and um, she loved uh, she loved talking all sports. So it'd be sports focused, that's for sure. I'm not sure we get too much into politics. I think it'll all be about sport. Yeah, good idea. It must be a really special feeling to be uh, an Olympian. I mean, you just joked before about you said you know came eleventh, whatever, and but. Surely there's a huge sense of pride to say that you are, you know, or were the 11th best of your in sport in the world. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty awesome. Oh, look, to, you know, I was watching the, uh, the European Champs final this morning, Italy and England, and I was actually thinking about, you know, the, the English goalkeeper. Um, you know, imagine being the best, it's like the Australian wicketkeeper. You know, there's one. There's one position in the team. So, you know, we had up to three um, long jumpers could go. So just to be in that position where you're the best, and that's what we'll see in Tokyo with over 400 athletes going for Australia, to be even good enough to just get to that level, I think is something that you you, know, you look back on fondly, to be an Australian champion. But yeah, look, you're right. There's not many Olympians. There, there is a saying that you're never former. Uh, yeah. You're never yeah. a former Olympian. You're just an Olympian. Mm. And I think Olympians um, do hold that pretty closely um, because it is something that you 
it's like the baggy green. You know, if you've got one, you're a um, you do say you're a former Australian cricketer, but you're not really. You've you've been an Australian cricketer, and that's the way it goes with the, the Olympics. There's actually not that many. There's you know numbers in the in the um, in the thousands, um, but not not you know many more than that that have been um, Australian Olympians. So, and in athletics, it's even less than that. It's about 800, I think, that have competed for Australia at the game. Wow. So, um, yeah, you look back at it and go. Bloody hell! How did I do that? <laughs> pretty, um, there's a, there's seems a like lovely, a different, different level, different, a, different person sometimes. There's a lovely video going around at the moment that has just come out where, at the very end of it, and I know you've seen it because I saw it on your uh, your Twitter account, where uh, Dawn Fraser says, "Once an Olympian, always an Olympian." Yeah, and I've just um, they've just had a, a um, released an Olympian's oath, which the team will recite in Tokyo, and I, I love it. And one of the lines is uh, from Edwin for to forever. Yeah. And so Edwin Flack, of course, our first Olympian, um, happened to be studying accountancy in London and decided to head across to Athens and um, ran the 815 and happened to win those and played tennis and then decided as you do to run the marathon and um, didn't quite make it to the finish line. But if it wasn't for him, um, the boy from Berwick, we wouldn't have competed in every game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, you, and that's why I think we have a great affinity to our athletes that are in the team now. And I've been privileged to do a podcast for the Australian Olympic team and we've done 37 different versions of them and that stopped and started a couple of times due to the, uh, the games being on and off. But, um, you know, every, every athlete has got a unique story, um, a unique path to get there. You know, my last one was Andrew Hoy. He's up to his eighth game. You know, incredible, incredible performance in in a sport that's very difficult and relies on your on on the horse to be able to do most mm. of the work for you, but yeah, um, yeah no, it, it, I can't wait to watch. You cheer vigorously for them. As a commentator, you've got to be a bit more impartial because we're not just cheering for the Australians; we're respecting all of the the athletes from wherever they might come from. But um, yeah, just to get there, particularly in in this time, is is an extraordinary achievement. So, uh, Dave, how um, does Australia stack up in terms of track and field for Tokyo? Field and track. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, field and track. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Um, field and track. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, pretty. We're going pretty well. Like we've got, um, we've got a really strong team. A lot of athletes on the track rather than the field, actually, which is a bit unique. But um, it's. It's really hard to get a form line because of the interrupted season and a lot of athletes not competing as regularly as they would. Um, you know, we've had some significant advantages in you know, our athletes back in Australia because we haven't been as affected by the, the pandemic as some other countries where they've been, you know, absolutely just locked in their, in their houses or flats or, you know, you can, the only place you could train was on your balcony. Um, yeah, yeah. But, so, um, haven't been as affected by that as some other places. Um, but, you know, as we've got closer, we've been affected by the fact that our athletes have found it really difficult to get overseas and have competition. So um, I'm not a medal predictor. I don't like it. It's They're too hard um, to predict. Um, what you want to see is athletes producing performances that are as close to their lifetime best. Or a, If they do a season's best, then, then that's fantastic. If you do a PB in the Olympic arena, whether you finish first or 51st, you can't ask for anything more than that. So... That's what our athletes will be looking for, and um, you know they're going to have to get up there, in and out, all of those things. Who can handle that the best will will uh, produce the best results. So um, the form line will go out the window, and um, you know hopefully our athletes have, have got some advantages that they can 
um, make the most of. Absolutely. Hey, looking forward to the uh, the Channel 7 coverage of it and uh, to you being part of that. Thanks for being part of uh, the uh, wonderful Food Bites <laughs> podcast with the Currumburra uh, triple jump champion uh, of uh, 1842, I think Sarah was. It was uh, ni- <laughs> 9.8 metres. Is that all right? That's a, no? Well, it's a good long jump. No, it's a triple jump. <laughs> hey, Sarah, the thing about um, sport is if that's as far as you could do, then that's fantastic. That's, I think it's still uh, in the record books, Dave. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no one's beaten it since 1984. <laughs> yeah, I did. Did you have fun? And yeah. did you give it your best? So oh, that's, well, that's, yeah. that's what you ask, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. It's very uh, kind that's of you. Important thing. What is it, you know, that's uh, it's Baron de Coubertin, what did he say? So it's... Uh, um, it's the t- it's not the winning, it's the taking part. <laughs> exactly you, right. Yes. Thank you for taking <laughs> part you. in our podcast. Good on you, Dave. No worries. I can highly recommend the Steam Dim Sim. Give it a shot. Will do. <laughs> Thank you. Good on you, DC. Take care, mate. Okay. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au Oh, I'm in the uh, I'm in awe of the Currumburra triple jump <laughs> queen of record still in the trust record book. Did you pick you. that bit up where she said it was still in the record book? Trust you to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking the you know what out of me? No, that record still stands no. from 1984. See? See, that's the third time she's mentioned it. <laughs> I love how Dave said, "Oh yeah, that would have been good." For a long jump. Yeah. Well, it would have been a bloody world record well, long was, jump. I'll tell you what. In fact, w- you wouldn't be sitting here. You'd be in Tokyo. Can I just say DC <laughs> is a lot more diplomatic than you? You'd be in Tokyo. You'd be about to jump for Australia. Yeah, well, would. I hadn't even mentioned that I hold the hurdles record as well, but we won't even go there. But I enjoy that. Glennis Nunn is our guest on the next Moving right bites. along, I enjoy talking about chicken schnitties, and uh, Dave sounds like he's got a great production line thing going there with his chicken schnitties. He's got the parmesan, the panko breadcrumbs, yep. he's got the bowl. Bowls lined up, but the problem, as he said, when you dip your fingers in the in the flour and then the egg and then the yep. breadcrumb, your fingers end up resembling chicken drumsticks. Yep. yep. The other thing too, we didn't ask him for a kitchen tip, but he gave us a really good one. Don't use the meat cleaver, you know, yeah. smash down thing. Just use the rolling pin to. It's to, more gentle, yeah. and it doesn't leave the indentations in the. And you do chicken. need. He's right. You do need a bit of thickness in your in your. Chicken schnitzel. Absolutely. It's got a, it can't be too flat. Well, and that's the difference between bought schnitzel and oh, homemade yeah, yeah, schnitzel. Yeah. It has a yeah. bit of um, thickness to it. Yep, exactly. Now, I like a bit of thickness in my life. That's why I'm married to you. Oh, thank you very much. See, she's getting <laughs> me back for mentioning the record books. Um, yes, my name's Thicky. Uh, what's yours? Let's get to our Friday food poll, which this week was an interesting ah, one. Ah, yeah, cheese theme. We had the halloumi fries, which mm. I absolutely love. Yep. Or sweet potato fries, which are pretty um, popular in their own right. Yeah. Okay. Kick us off. Glenn, sweet spud fries for me, Pado. I don't have much success in cooking them, though. Yeah, they don't go very crispy. Mm. Caroline says, both, please, but only if I'm out. Uh, I can't get them right. (laughs) Same. Michelle, both. But if you said pumpkin fries... I would say number one for sure. Haven't heard of pumpkin fries. No, me neither. Annie, sweet potato and both please. Karen says sweet potato. Cherie Dodson, both please. Joe says yes, both please. Terry says, look, that looks delicious. 
I could try both, but for the vote today, one, Ooh, halloumi. Okay. Artie says, not sure about halloumi fries. Uh, can't say I've tried them, but sweet potato fries I have. Verdict is they don't crisp up the way spuds do. I find them a little disappointing. There Recurring is. theme. Yeah. Leonie says, wow, what a decision. I love both, uh, but it has to be halloumi today. They're delicious. And Lee says, as the Wiggles would sway, <laughs> Sweet, sweet potato, potato, sweet potato. <laughs> sweet potato, sweet potato. <laughs> no. Mm. I wouldn't have thought so either. <laughs> Rachel says definitely both. Fran says sweet potato fries. Tina. Sweet potato, sweet No, potato. no, no. <laughs> Hello. There's no singing. There's no singing in baseball. That's not singing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tina said sweet potato. Yes. Adam Pont said neither. Old school crinkle cuts in newspaper every time. I'm with you, Adam. Yeah, I'm with you. Sue Hosking says, well... Uh, I have had sweet potato potato cakes and they were awesome, yeah. but I am a cheese freak. I love myself some halloumi. Charlene, sweet potato for her. Rebecca says, I'm doing low carb and sweet potato fries are the only fries I can have. I don't like them though, they're too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry says, halloumi, please. Uh, Glenn Driscoll says, neither. Kim says, halloumi. Silvana says, sweet potato fries. And Muriel says, Sweet potato, much better for you. Well, that's no well, fun. Well, I think we've established there's a certain mm, flaccid sort of feel about yep. the uh, yep. sweet potato fries. We need the tip to make the sweet potato fries crispy. Mean, well, but to, to be honest, win. though. They win, but they, they and they and they work, and they would win by a street if they could actually be mm. because we've had we've bought these new halloumi um, chips from uh, Coles. Yeah, they're a bit done flaccid. Them the, too. Done them in the no? uh, in the air fryer. And can't get them to crisp up. Can get them to crisp up, but they're not hard no, no, as you such. Like, you like you like that beautiful thing you get with crinkle cut chips, where it's oh, got that like that. I go to a cafe the- um, in Melbourne's West that serves the most beautiful thick uh, halloumi fries. Oh, but then the they, one in Yarraville. Then yeah. they decided to start zhuzhing them up with uh, pomegranate molasses and all sorts of uh, things. No, 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 no. Just, just as they were, just thanks. Just how they were. Yeah. No, they were a bit tricky in the air fries and in the oven to get the ones that you buy, um, mm. that little crispy bit where you go and you get that bite and yeah. then you get that lovely oh, yeah, soft sure. centre like you eat with the crinkle Do you know what chip. else is fried? <sighs> My brain. No, I, that, <laughs> no, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. You know me too I was well. speaking on your behalf. I wasn't talking about me yeah, personally. Well, I bet you never made a triple no, jump you know record what, in high school. You know what's fried? My patience. Uh, actually but, represented my zone uh, in uh, the Victorian high school athletics, just in case you wanted to know. I came last, but I represented my zone. <laughs> Kevin's looking around the room. I'm just trying to find someone who's interested. <laughs> There's got to be someone in here somewhere. <laughs> Cheeselinks.com.au, 52821984. No hop, Olympic skip and park. Olympic no park. hop, skip and jump here. 52821984. Cheeselinks.com.au. Give Janet a call. Thanks for being a part of the program. Thanks to Dave Colbert for his time. Thanks, Make sure CC. you watch the Olympics on Channel 7 when they come up because he, uh, he's part of the field and track because he's a field. Exactly right. I get that. And, yeah. uh, and thank you very much for being oh. with me as well. <laughs> It's been it's been a world record attempt. I at wish I could not wanting the to same. scream. I've yeah. just won the world record for not wanting to scream. What was that distance again? Nine point eight. Hang on, I'll find someone who cares. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page and Twitter for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Brought to you by Cheese Links. Bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. All you need to know at cheeselinks.com.au.